Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We will be reading down through verse 34. This is God's Word. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, Have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. 
All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we had to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. In this passage, we have a collection of both stories and events. The first story, Jesus tells to show the disciples that they should always pray and not give up. So what's the point of the first story? He tells us before he tells us the story. The point of the story is, that we should always pray and not give up. You might want to remember that when you're in a really difficult situation that seems like it's just never getting better. Jesus said that we should always pray and not give up. Then the story that he tells to illustrate this is very interesting. It's about a bad judge an unjust judge, and Jesus says he didn't fear God or care about people. I mean, how'd you like to have a judge like that? One thing that you will discover if you learn about the law is that who you get as your judge makes a huge difference in the outcome. That's why in our country there are such intense battles over who's going to end up as the judges. Because some judges believe that we need to follow the law, whether we like it or not. Other judges believe that they should be able to decide what the law should say. I think this is good. So even though the law goes against that, I'm going to go with it because I'm the judge. Those are two very different philosophies. Who you get as a judge matters. But this woman had appealed to this unjust judge. She was a widow, and she had appealed to him, and he had 
not giving her the time of day. So she kept coming and appealing. And the judge, this bad judge, eventually says, okay, I'll give in to her just because she's wearing me out. And so Jesus says, that's what God's like. No, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, if that is true of this bad judge who eventually gives in, how much more will God bring about justice for his children who cry out to him day and night? Jesus was not saying that God is an unjust judge, but from our perspective, it sometimes feels that way. Go back and read the Psalms. Look at the scriptures. Look at the book of Revelation, where the martyrs cry out, How long, O Lord? To us, it seems like a long, 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 long time. But to God, who knows reality, who sees eternity, not only is our lifetime short, the history of this planet is short. The whole universe which God spoke into being has a birth date. And there's going to come a time when God is going to, in judgment, consume everything with fire and create the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. So, everything has a start date, except God. God sees time for what it really is. It's his creation, and it's temporary. We're looking forward to eternity. That is, forever and ever and ever. So when we're going through suffering and crying out to God day and night, we can feel like, oh, it's taking forever. Well, that's a stupid idea. Forever is forever. And what we're going through just feels like more than we can bear. But God will actually enable us to bear it. And so we need to recognize that if this unjust judge eventually does the right thing, God, who is not unjust, God, who is just, will definitely always do the right thing. And Jesus even says, he'll do it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You see, you and I don't need to be concerned about whether God's going to do what he's supposed to do. We need to be concerned about whether or not we're doing what we're supposed to do. Psalm 145 says, One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Have you heard about Legacy 145? This program gives you an opportunity to provide a safe haven for future generations of children at Wares Valley Ranch. While at the ranch, children from all across the country have their practical needs met. But most importantly, they hear about a Heavenly Father who loves them so much that He sent His only Son to die on the cross to pay for their sins. Healing and hope are found at the ranch through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And your legacy can continue that message to children in crisis. 
You can learn more at wvr.org. Click on the Legacy 145 button. That's wvr.org and click on the icon that says Legacy 145. Or you can give us a call at 866-41-ABIDE. God bless you and have a great day. To step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told the parable of two guys who went up to the temple to pray. One, an extremely religious man who was very proud of how much better he was than other people. And the other one, a man who was not a good guy, but he knew it. He knew it. And so the one who asked for mercy is the one, Jesus says, who is forgiven. This is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Because I'm telling you, you are one person or the other. Either you are still hoping, even if you know you've messed up, you know, I know I'm not perfect, I'm not not like that Pharisee, I know I make mistakes, but you're still hoping to get right with God by cleaning up your act, doing the right thing, I'm going to try a little harder, you know, I I had a bad day yesterday, but today I'm going to fix it, I'm going to buckle down and make... That's not how you get right with God. The way you get right with God is what this guy did. He was ashamed of what he'd done. Sorrowful. And asking God for mercy. That's the way we need to approach God. Jesus says so. And then, if we're supposed to come with nothing in ourselves and of ourselves to commend us, Little children are the next story. See, they don't come to Jesus and say, you know, um, I recognize that you are the Messiah. I believe that Isaiah prophesied of you. That's not what the little children are saying. They just love Jesus. And Jesus loves them. And his disciples think, what can they contribute They're a distraction, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't get it. I love them. In fact, the kingdom of God is made up of people who come like little children. That doesn't mean you have to get saved when you're a little child in order to be saved. It does mean that like a little child who isn't coming hoping for acceptance on the basis of their accomplishments, but simply embracing the unconditional love that is given to them by those who love them truly. Jesus says that's the way we come to God. And if you're not willing to come like a little child, in utter dependence, in simplicity of faith, then you're not going to enter the kingdom. Jesus said, he didn't say, unless you grow up, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. He said, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, Immediately, this is followed with the story of the rich young ruler. This fellow who comes to Jesus, and he says something that sounded fine to most people. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, why would Jesus say that? First of all, 
Was Jesus good? Yes. Well, I thought he said no one is good except God alone. Okay, second question. Was Jesus God? Oh, yes. Okay. So Jesus is God. Jesus is good. But when this guy says good teacher, he didn't recognize that Jesus is God, but he thought that he was pretty good. When Jesus talks to him about the commandments of God, he says, oh, I've kept all those ever since I was a child. Now, Jesus could have gone into the Sermon on the Mount mode and said, no, 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 you think because you haven't murdered anybody that you haven't violated God's command, but I'm telling you, if you hate, you're a murderer at heart. Jesus could have done that. He could have gone through the commandments to try and help this guy understand that even though he thought he was a good guy, he was really a lawbreaker, but instead Jesus goes right to the heart of this man's security. Jesus says, okay, there's one thing you lack. Go, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. This man became very sorrowful, for he was very wealthy. Jesus is saying, you've got to give it all up. You've got to come like a little child. You've got to come in utter dependence, like that tax collector who says, have mercy on me. Folks, that's the only way anybody ever gets saved. Are you saying everybody has to give away all their worldly goods? No. But you sure better be ready to. If that's what Jesus asks of you, then yes, you need to do that. Jesus tells us we've got to take up our cross and follow him. Jesus tells us we've got to lay our lives down. And so this fellow went away sorrowful because he had great wealth. And Jesus said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, the people in Jesus' day and in his culture really were convinced that because God is the one who gives us everything, God must really love the rich, and they are in the best position of all people to earn favor with God because they can do things with their money, works of charity, etc. And having that wealth protects them from having to do the kinds of things that some people feel they have to do in order to get by, even though I know I shouldn't be doing that. Jesus is saying, no, for the rich, it's especially hard. (laughs) Well, the people are astounded. They say, well, then who can be saved? If the rich can't get in, who can be saved? Jesus says, What is impossible with man is possible with God. What does that mean? It means God's the only one who saves. You and I can't save ourselves. We can't do this, do that. The only thing that we can bring is our need. What's impossible with man is possible with God. Well, Peter speaks up at that point. Peter's always speaking up. That's Peter's personality. He's always got something to say. And he says, uh, we have left all we had to follow you. Okay? Did did we do okay, teacher? You want to look at my work? 
Jesus says, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. There have been some pivot points in my life, starting in childhood, when God spoke to my heart about giving what was precious to me to him. All I can say is God has rewarded me so many times over that it, I, I just, I'm blown away by God's generosity. God has poured into my life so many blessings, including financial blessings, that I don't go around saying, yeah, but I, I had to give up that dollar. Oh, would to God that I had more to give. When we left Atlanta to come here and start the ranch, a lot of people were like, you know, how do you deal with giving up so much? Did, I said, I am so thankful to God I have something to give up. I'm telling you, folks, whatever God asks you to surrender, do it gladly, knowing that his plan for you is an eternal plan, and you will be rewarded many times over in this life and in the age to come, eternal life. Does that mean by doing these things we earn eternal life? No, it means if you know that you're headed for eternity with the Lord, all the stuff in this world amounts to nothing. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? You're going to spend forever somewhere. If I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven, ruling and reigning with him, there's nothing this world has to offer that is even a little bit worth considering trading for it. It's not that we earn eternal life by giving things up to God. It's that when you know that God is giving you eternal life, you're glad to give it up. Then Jesus took the twelve aside and he told them, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the, by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And on the third day, he'll rise again. Jesus is telling them not only what is going to happen, but that these things that are going to happen are the things that were prophesied in God's Word. We need to understand that the events of Holy Week, that the crucifixion itself, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ were all decreed by God before the beginning of time. Jesus is saying the things written in the prophets are going to happen. But if you're one of the disciples, it just didn't make sense. It was hidden from them. They couldn't understand it. They did not know what he was talking about. Well, folks, they were looking ahead toward what Jesus said was going to happen, and they couldn't, couldn't grasp it. We are now looking back on what happened, and we had better understand this was the only way 
that we could be saved. And God did it because he loved us. If you really believe that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to save you, how can you doubt that his plan for you in other things is good? God knows what he's doing. He's not making this up as he goes along. His plan for you is good and acceptable and perfect. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.